0: Welcome to This Week in Surgery Centers. If you're in the ASC industry, then you're in the right place. Every week, we'll start the episode off by sharing an interesting conversation we had with our featured guest, and then we'll close the episode by recapping the latest news impacting surgery centers. We're excited to share with you what we have, so let's get started and see what the industry has been up to. Hi, everyone. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. We are excited to have Tim Burney as our guest today. Tim is the founder and CEO of Advantian, and he's here to talk to us about how ASCs can better understand and negotiate fair implant costs. Implants are typically one of the top three drivers of cost for an ASC. So Tim has great tips for how you can reduce overall costs and how you can get the best price. We'll close the episode with a few news stories. We'll start with a deep dive into CMS's 2023 final payment rule. Talk about an uptick in plastic surgery cases, share a much needed update from YouTube health. And of course, end the new segment with a positive story about two police officers who saved the life of a one month old baby. Hope everyone enjoys the episode and here's what's going on this week in surgery centers.
1: Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Appreciate it.
2: Excited to have you here, Tim, to talk a little bit about implants. And before we jump right in, um, can you tell us a little bit about your your background, uh, especially as it relates to the ASC industry?
1: Yeah, you bet. Um you know, I <laughs> I grew up really interested in uh somehow being in the in the medical uh business. I, you know, as a little kid, I was dreamt about being a doctor and that sort of thing. And and you know, life happens and that that plan got derailed, but uh uh, I was in the the uh, clinical space in the military. I was a trained uh, combat medic and a surgical assistant. And then at some point uh, after I got out of the military, uh, I I ended up going into the device business and worked for some of the you know the larger device companies in spine and, and mostly. Um, and so I got my uh, my knowledge on the implant uh, side of the business in the in the spine industry mostly. Uh, as I said, working for Medtronic, Globus, and a few other companies. And then um, started working in that space with ASCs in the mid-2005 uh, or so when ASCs were in their infancy, um, where they required a lot of support, didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, internal people that uh, knew the business very well, the business meaning the implant business. And that's they've certainly gotten a lot better at that, but uh, there's still a lot of room for better understanding in that space. So in 2011, 2012, I started a business to address some of those issues. Uh, some of those issues to help support uh, ASCs and better understanding the the implant side of the business.
2: Great, and I'm excited to dig in with you on the implant side in particular. Um, you know, as we all know, if you look at the the expenses and the top expense drivers for an ASC up there in the top two or three is always implants. And so, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about and kind of share some some wisdom and get some tips and tricks for you is. Um, how to reduce how can ASCs reduce the cost of their implant spend overall? Um, and what what is this relationship typically look like in terms of implant vendors in, in the ASC business side? And so yeah, that's
1: a good question, Nick. you know uh, the uh, the implant um, sales reps are a valuable resource for hospitals and ASCs, especially ASCs. They do so much to support individual procedures certainly bring in the sets that have the implants in them and then support the nurses and the surgeons during cases and after. And so they're a valuable resource for, for the facilities for technical as well as logistical sort of support from a standpoint. And they also, by the way, have very strong relationships with those facilities because they're, they're intimately involved with them. And one of those relationships that's really important is the surgeon rep relationship and uh, because they have a lot of impact with the surgeons. And and oftentimes that relationship uh, can actually be exploited uh, to to maintain higher prices. Uh, ASC people in general, the administrators, etc., respect that relationship and certainly don't want to upset that. So sometimes that can work in a negative sense from the standpoint of uh, price and implants.
2: Sure. That, that, That makes sense. Kind of going, you know, the strategy from yeah, you know, the, the the rep perspective or from the vendor perspective of maybe segmenting out the the purchase decision um, it can 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 be beneficial from a from a purchasing power standpoint. If um, if the goal is to understand implant costs, right? If the goal of an ASC is, hey, we want to understand our implant costs better. How can ASCs approach that in terms of the yeah, understanding? Well-
1: yeah, it's a good question. They they need to dig into the data, right? Most ASCs have really good raw data in their systems, uh, but the, the the important step is actually analyzing that data, right? So, in particular, summarizing the raw data, you know, in a way that shows you, you know, where your your most of your money is going on the implant side, where the spend is specific to what types of implants are being, uh, are the are the cost drivers, uh, breaking it down by implant, by procedure, and just understanding that really well, but but the next important part of that is, you know, not just digging into the data, but but really analyzing that, understanding what that data is telling you, and that's really an important step. So data is data is an important, really foundational step, and and uh, it'll lead you to the answers.
2: Yep, and I, and I imagine oftentimes that data is in the practice management system, right? What's what's what have you found are the best ways to get in there and manipulate it? Is this out yeah, of the box well,
1: reporting? Yeah, it's HST Envy systems. um, Most ASCs that I work with have HST or Envy. They're off paper now. They're recording their purchases using those systems, Uh, but recording them is not the same as understanding costs, right? It's where Understanding the cost is where the opportunities are. Understanding where you're spending your money is is where the opportunities uh, are. So, as I said previously, converting that raw data to some meaningful summary with uh, actionable reports is really the key. So, the data is there. It's really analyzing that data and putting it into a useful sort of format, which would be reports and actionable reports. Benchmarking service is another. They've got, you know, there's a service called ECRI that does benchmarking and they do it by Uh, individual implants. And you certainly can use that. It'll give you a national average. Uh, It's better probably for hospitals. It's more of a valuable tool for hospitals. Oftentimes um, ASCs will have more specific uh, implants, you can find them on ECRI. But again, they're average. They're average benchmarking, um, and and really, the, the, what's important is not only to look at the implant itself, but also oftentimes there's associated disposables that are part of that. So it's kind of an overall global picture of what the spend is, right? And and you want to also understand your savings potential, uh, potential specific to the ASC. What are the specific opportunities based on the products they use? Again. Surgery or surgeries done in hospitals oftentimes are different. There's some similarity certainly. For example, you do spine uh, procedures in a in a surgery center, you'll do them in the hospital, but the complexities are often different. Therefore, the instruments or the implants might be slightly different. So there's not always a one-to-one comparison. So it's really important that ASCs look specifically at what they're using, particularly the high volume items, and look for, uh, look at the national benchmarking, sure, as a starting point, but you know, it's just a starting point.
2: Sure, and I'm curious, on your perspective, Tim, when when ASCs are making the implant purchase decision, right, whether it's at the physician level or, or the administrator level, do you think the industry overall has a good feel for how these specific implant costs are impacting their overall case profitability?
1: You know, I don't. I think there's definitely a disconnect. Again. The reps provide a valuable service, but it's very specific to the cases, right? And and um, the reps generally don't have visibility to those to the um, sort of variables that would help them understand case costs and that sort of thing. And quite frankly, I mean, the whole system is set up where. You know, reps are paid on a commission, and you know um, uh, they're definitely good partners, but it's not their primary focus, right? And they just don't have enough information to really help a facility make good decisions. The facility really needs to drive that process. They really need to be the ones that that go to the reps and go to the device companies and using that data that I mentioned before to to, to drive that. I would not count on the rep to understand what their you know what their business looks like and what the opportunity are to drive savings, uh, that's probably not, I'd say it's definitely not the best place to start.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. The the facility is the only one with the 360 view of, Hey, what's our revenue per case, as well as what's the other inputs and and, and costs.
1: And Nick, Um, one more thing I'll throw in, Nick, sorry to interrupt you, but is, is the reimbursement side. I mean, there's two sides of this, right? There's the cost side and the reimbursement side. And when you, when you think about that, that's an area where, um, oftentimes even ASC struggle to understand that's a pretty complex side of the business. So to expect the reps of the device companies to understand that side, to have that visibility, number one, and to understand it is uh, probably a bridge too far for, you know, for that.
2: Sure. And on that reimbursement side, how much variability is there across payors and reimbursement rates? Yeah. So there's,
1: there's two basic types of payers. Um, in the marketplace, uh, there's many different payers, many different insurance companies. When I say insurance companies, those are the payers. Uh, There's the global side. Um, The global side is like Medicare, right? Where um, implants are not reimbursed on an individual basis. So uh, implant charges are not submitted to global payers like Medicare. Medicare pays a capitated or a set rate for a particular procedure. And in that procedure, the facility is expected to cover all of their costs. I say all their costs. There's, there's some things that slide out of that, but basically for sure, the um, the implant costs are included in that. So it's not some separate charge for the implants. The other side um, is, the, is where they reimburse for implants, cost or cost plus. Cost or cost plus meaning that they'll reimburse the facility. The facility turns in an invoice for the implants, whatever charge they paid for them, and the uh, facility will be reimbursed by those payers based on that charge. So let's just say, for example, an implant costs $1,000. On a cost reimbursement, they'd get $1,000 back. On a cost plus, oftentimes a payer will build in a five or 10 or whatever percent additional. So on a 1,000, maybe they get an extra 50 or $100, which you know, helps a little bit. Uh, you know, adjudicate that that cost um, and and to collect that money. So there's two types: the global and the cost plus. That's important number one. And as far as variability, I mean, it varies across the country, and it it varies from state to state, uh, from region to region, from payer to payer. You know, um, when you look at uh, Medicare, which is global, that usually will take up obviously a portion, uh, maybe as much as 50% of a of a surgery center's um, you know, payer network. So they're not being reimbursed for implants. So that's important, right? Because then the most important aspect of that, of that implant is how low can you get the price? Cause you're not going to be in reimbursed. So you want to build that margin to, to, to be profitable, right? As a facility. Uh, but the other side is that cost plus you can have a blue cross that is typically a cost plus in a given state or whatever, but Etna may, be typically global. It just varies a lot. What I see mostly is probably about a 50-50 mix. And again, there's variability. There's some facilities that are 70% cost plus and some that are 20 or, or whatever. It really depends on on the area. Uh, but if to say that there's a 50-50 on average mix between those two types of payers is probably a, a reasonable assumption.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a good rule of thumb. And on the cost plus side of the equation, How much room is there for device-specific or implant-specific negotiations?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, um, the negotiations are not separated by the payers, right? So from a standpoint, the, the goal is always... To drive down the cost to the lowest, you know, the lowest uh, cost you can get. I mean, on the cost plus side, it's kind of t- counterintuitive, right? I mean, if your if your implant is a thousand dollars or your implant's five hundred dollars, you're going to get reimbursed, so you can make a case that it really doesn't matter, right? But as I said just a moment ago there's going to be a mix. There's going to be a mix of global and there's going to be a mix of cost plus payers. So to make sure that you're doing the best you can on the global side, again, depending upon the the mix, but uh, you're going to want to drive that uh, regardless of of what payers they are because the payers, it's not one price for one payer and one price for another. The cost of that implant that I sort of made up earlier of $1,000 is still $1,000 regardless of what the payer is. So generally speaking, you'll see that uh, surgery centers uh, hospitals for that matter too, but surgery centers um, specifically want to drive down to the lowest to the lowest cost they can, regardless of the payers
2: yep and and how often do you see that happen? do you see do you think the ASC market is up to date overall on kind of the latest insights, tips, and tricks, and has the the benchmarking data you know readily available that you mentioned to to kind of credibly and effectively, you know, negotiate those those rates? You
1: know, I, I'd say that most uh, centers proactively negotiate. Um, uh, again, I think that the um, information is there. I mean, um, you know, the benchmarking, again, is a usually an average benchmarking. It's important to engage uh, professionals that understand that market, that that have a better benchmarking tools. And what I mean by that is, as I said earlier, when you when you're talking about a GPO, that's usually an average price. It's an average price across the country. It's better than we'll call it list price, which, by the way, is meaningless. But it's better than list price. But it's it's kind of an average price you'll find across the country. And what I've seen is that's what the way it is with GPOs. Um, it's better always to negotiate on a local level. You know, the the fact is that. Um, you know, if you say to the reps, I need to get a better price, they'll say things like you're getting the best price in the country or the best price I can give you might be true, it might not be. But what you need to do is to understand what does that mean. And that's a challenge, right? I mean, it really is a challenge. Because whether you look at Ecri, which is an average price, um, you know, gives you an average price gives you some highs and lows as well. But again, there's variability from from region to region, if there's a way to and there are ways to access databases that have the locally negotiated competitive pricing, that's really the key. So you take your raw data, turn those into actionable sort of comparative reports to understand what you're paying, and then access through... You know um, different uh, avenues, companies that provide this sort of information. Um, there are there are a few um, that can provide the information on a local level to say, hey, this is the best price. I know what it says over here, but really, you should be able to compare to our database, which shows a very competitive, locally negotiated sort of. Um, you know, uh, environment, this is where you need to get to. So compared to what your raw data is, compared to a really good benchmark, employ someone that can help you understand what that should be, and then um, negotiate off of that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's good insight. Um, and how, how readily available are those local kind of databases that, that include that pricing information?
1: Yeah, there are, um, you know, there there are a few companies that have them. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the GPOs and the ECRIs and things like that are available, right? Unfortunately, as I said, it's not necessarily the, the best pricing because, again, it's a national pricing setup and it doesn't always give you you know, when you go to your, it's, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but I think about, you know, when you go shopping, if you go to your local grocery, you go to whoever, you go to a tailor, you go to where you buy your suits or or dresses or whatever, you know, you know someone, you can stand there face to face and have a good negotiation with them and probably do better than you might do if you went somewhere where you didn't know the person. I think it's a similar setup, right? Uh, The other thing is, uh, you know, the surgeons are the key in this whole process, quite frankly. I mean, so, so from an administrative standpoint, and I know you asked me how it readily available is it, it's available, right? But you mm-hmm. have to look for it. There are yep. companies that do it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really a matter of getting this information and going to the surgeons and making a case to the surgeons why it's important and let them be the sort of the impetus to drive the results because they're ultimately the ones that they use what they, you know, they, they're trained on what they're comfortable with. So it have to stay within those parameters and help let the surgeons help drive the results as well.
2: Yeah. I I like that because that kind of speaks to the change management component of it, right? I think for uh, administrators or others that work in the facility, if they're, you know, suggesting a change based on cost or otherwise, and there's surgeons that are used to doing procedures a different way with different materials, there, there's going to have to be a kind of a change management conversation or, or at least kind of an understanding the why I'm sure. And w- w- what have you seen as your experience is the best way to, to do that with surgeons in particular?
1: Yeah, well, again, uh, we'll start with data. I hate to sound like a broken record, but, but they need to do their homework. The ASC needs to do their homework. And they know that, I, you know, they would say we know that um, it's to take that raw data, analyze it, you know, do the comparative analysis and then sit down with the surgeons. And, and, you know, keep in mind the surgeons in a surgery center setting. And this is really important. And it's it's obvious, but it's really important is that they're equity owners, most of them, almost all of them are equity owners in that facility. Right. So, Uh, where you go into a hospital and they're basically renting space, if you will. Um, And that's not even 100% accurate, but you get the idea is that they're they're not vested owners in that hospital. So, you know, they want to use what they want to use and it's up to the hospitals to negotiate. You don't have the leverage of the surgeon. But in the ASC, where I mentioned earlier about that surgeon rep relationship and how important that is, and it is, it's a a very important relationship for many reasons. It's a valuable one. Um, You know, you have to be able to go to that that doctor and give him a reason why, you know, he needs to maybe confront the rep, who's such a valuable resource to him that he, him or her, that they, that they rely on, and why do I need to push this? Thing. He's telling me he's giving me the best price. So you need to go to that surgeon who is an equity owner who really cares about the cost structure of the surgery center, right? they are parts of negotiating, oftentimes, most times, with the with the the bigger equipment, that sort of thing. And given, as you said, when you open the this the set, the the implants are the top one, two, or three. Usually, the top one or two uh, expenses in a facility. That that's an important, obviously. Uh, target for everyone including the surgeon. So get the data, get the comparative analysis, basically get all your ducks in a row so that when you go to the surgeon and you say, hey look here's where we're spending here are the opportunities. what do you think you feel like we should go after? what do you think are the best opportunities here to drive to drive the results and if we do this we're going to save this or we're going to do this or whatever the case might be and that's that's really the important part of that.
2: I like that it's the it's the show them the data and then the ask versus yep. versus the tell like here, here here's the dollars what what lever should we pull yeah it's um, it, you know it's it's very simple really uh, in the sense that it you know it,
1: it seems like the obvious pathway but again it's a different setup than it is in a hospital and sometimes you know you lose sight of that and and sometimes you know administrators you know they want to please the doctors and do what's best they're also focused on what's doing what's best in the asc but really their ammunition. And to to help the doctors with those decisions, to help them achieve the outcomes they need, they want to achieve, which is, you know, the best, a highest quality patient care at the best cost and with the least amount of expense. You know, you want to make sure you you include the surgeon. Obviously, don't just go to the surgeon and say, "Hey, we can save ten percent." Why do we? Where can? We, what can we do? Help me understand what you want to do to drive that right. It makes sense, I think, and and it does work. It does work. Sure.
2: Sure. And, and you mentioned the hospitals and I wanted to touch on hospitals for just a second because I, you know, I have heard um, some administrators, some facilities on the ASC side say, hey, you know, we, we partner with our hospital system or we partner with a local hospital to get their implant rates. Right. And they've got, you know, the hospital's got a purchasing team, they've got more people on it. And so we feel pretty comfortable if we're working with the hospital, we're going to get the best implant rates possible. Is that is that hold water based on your experience?
1: Yeah, well, it depends. I mean, sometimes that's the case, but you know, the general assumption is that what you just said, right? That well, we've got hospital pricing, and that's the best pricing. Well, um, I would definitely challenge that. Okay, um, there are instances where uh, potentially, if there is, let's say, a contract with Synthes that is a that is a very aggressive contract. I'm not saying you never get the best price, but again. It, it, there are going to be instances where, you know, it'll be a good price or it'll be the best. But in most instances, you can do better, right? And, and that, again, is where, you know, you can take that as a benchmark, right? Take the hospital pricing as a benchmark. And in those cases where you compare, you know, the data and you compare, you know, the other information that I've spoken about, we've spoken about Together, that'll give you an idea. I mean, it'll, it'll it'll lead you down the right path, right? I mean, to have that as part of your, your data that you're going to do this analysis on, um, it'll give you an opportunity not only to compare your pricing to what you might be able to negotiate locally, but also against the pricing that is readily available to you from the hospital. But my experience is that with exceptions, you can always do better by negotiating locally with the local reps, um, especially. The reps will go to their companies, but with the local reps because that's where the relationships are, right? That's where the relationships, and again, that's this is a setting where the surgeons have the most interest in the outcome of those, of where that pricing is in those negotiations. So um, they're going to be very aggressive and very supportive of a an administrator of a surgery center of the staff that has that comparative analysis. Yes, we're getting great pricing here at the hospital, but we can do better in those areas. So that's a long answer. The short answer is there'll be instances where the, the, the implants are, are competitive in price, but many instances where you can do better.
2: Got it. So I like that. So it's you know kind of the theme I hear is use it as a data point. Use it as one Absolutely. of your benchmarks, right? So you use the hospital pricing if you've got it. Use the local databases as you've got it, but also going back to the beginning of the conversation, compare that to the other expenses that are going into the certain procedure types and the revenue associated with those procedure types and then kind of work with the rep Work, work with your implant rep to make a you know winning procedure that's, that's profitable for everybody.
1: Absolutely. And, and by the way, I want to make it clear that the, the implant reps want to keep the business. They do want to be good partners, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. that the incentive to have them be the ones to push that result um, is not the best strategy, right? But to bring them on board and, and they too react to data, right? They're going to react to mostly to what the surgeon wants to do, but yeah, you put all that together and I agree. Yeah. That's the, that's the best formula.
2: Fantastic. So final question for you here, Tim, and we do this every week with all of our guests. Um, What is one tip our listeners can do this week at their surgery center to improve results?
1: Yeah. And I've kind of touched on it already, but I'm going to, going to drive it home uh, because it's so important. Right. And that is uh, present the surgeons with the data, right? that that is probably the most important thing you can do obviously you do your homework ahead of time but put in the time and effort to, to summer, summarize your raw implant purchase history and into an easy understanding list of you know comparing apples to apples you know the, the 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 same products that you've got there to to the same products that are you know that you benchmarked against the usage the cpt codes but by the way and 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 the reimbursement which we talked about earlier Put all of that together and talk about how that sort of affects the whole business outcome. But you start with presenting the surgeons with data. You start with putting the data together and reports. But start with sitting down with your surgeons after you've done the homework and talk to them. You know, they're going to appreciate it. As I said, they're owners in the business. They want the best outcomes. Um, they're going to make the best decisions for their patients and for their center. But I would do that. I would go to the, to, to the data get the data from your, whatever you've got in your facility, uh, the HSTMV or whatever you're using and and do the other homework, do that, and then go to your surgeons and, um, you know, make a plan with your surgeons and, and do it as a team. And I think that's the best way to, and, and one of the things that that all surgery centers, if they're not doing it this week, they should plan for it by opinion.
2: Love it. That's great insight. Tim, thanks so much for joining us this week. we really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thanks, Nick. It's been fun talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you.
0: As always, it has been a busy week in healthcare, so we will jump in. But first, I wanted to acknowledge that it is perioperative nurses week. So to all the perioperative nurses out there, thank you for your hard work and expertise and making sure patients are safe and well taken care of. hope you all get a chance to celebrate. All right, first story. As promised last week, we are going to share a bit of a deeper dive into the 2023 final Medicare payment rule. A huge thank you to Maura Cash, HST's VP of Clinical Strategies, and ASCA for helping summarize what's going on here. So let's start with the positive. The final rule. Taking into account a 4.1% inflation and a required reduction of 0.3% mandated by the Affordable Care Act, CMS finalized an effective update of 3.8%. While it's not as good as we hoped, it's actually an increase of 1.1% from the proposed rule, so that in and of itself is a win. And then with regards to the Ambulatory Surgical Center Quality Reporting Program, CMS finalized its proposal to suspend the mandatory adoption of ASC-11, which is cataracts improvement in patients' visual function within 90 days following cataract surgery. So this will remain voluntary in 2023. And then moving on to the not so positive, we mentioned this last week, but unfortunately, CMS only added four new procedures to the ASC covered procedures list, even though ASCA advocated for 47. So we'll include the four they added in the episode notes if you wanted to check those out. And lastly, just a really interesting call out, in the proposed rule, CMS actually sought comment to explore how ASCs are implementing tools in their facilities towards the goal of interoperability. They're considering the usefulness of electronically submitted quality measures in ASCs to aid in delivering effective, safe, efficient, patient-centered, equitable, and timely care. A few specific topics they were looking for comment on were any current barriers to interoperability in the ASC setting, the impact of health IT, the ability of ASCs to participate in interoperability or any EHR-based QI activity, and then just general perceived benefits and risks of interoperability in an ASC setting. So in the final rule, they published some of the feedback that they received. And as expected, there was concern around the financial and administrative burden of implementing an EHR and also the lack of federal financial incentive. One commenter suggested that CMS conducts a scan to assess the current adoption of EHRs in the ASC setting, which personally I think is long overdue. A few commenters recommended the development and use of health IT expanding past EHRs in order to create a place where digital data can be shared across all patient care experiences to provide access to a complete and comprehensive healthcare record. There was a bunch more feedback, as you can imagine, and CMS shared that they would take all comments under consideration for future rulemaking. But it's definitely telling and exciting to see EHR so prominently discussed. This, of course, doesn't guarantee anything will happen, but certainly increases the odds. And there's so much more to the ruling. Um, so please check out the episode notes for a link to learn even more details. In a story shared by Outpatient Surgery Magazine, a plastic surgeon in Maryland has experienced an increase in demand for his procedures And he believes the pandemic strongly influenced this uptick. More patients than ever have been reaching out for breast reconstruction, tummy tucks, and cosmetic plastic surgery of the face and body. And here are three reasons he cited. First, the inability to travel and continued safety concerns with travel means patients have longer stretches of downtime at home. The second, in the beginning of the pandemic, most people were experiencing some extra money associated with PPP loans or stipends, meaning an unusual amount of cash flow was available. And lastly, a renewed interest in mental health and self-care, he believes, has led people to not only want to improve what's going on in the inside, but also the outside. Uh, now, this was just one doctor's experience, and we love to see uh Anything kind of driving um, case volume to surgery centers, but uh, for ASCs that specialize in plastics, I'd love your feedback as well. If you've seen an increase in case volume over the last two years, why do you think that is? Do you think it's related to the pandemic or more cultural shifts and acceptance of plastic surgery, um, for elective reasons or any of the above or something totally different. Um, definitely let us know in the comments on LinkedIn, uh, you know, this was one doctor and I'm, I'm curious to see if others are experiencing the same. Switching gears to our third story, Dr. Garth Graham, the global head of YouTube Health, shared that credible medical professionals are now able to apply for a special verification on YouTube. NBC News shares that this is an effort to combat medical misinformation online and make it easy for viewers to identify reliable sources. Now, as a consumer and a patient, I personally think this is a wonderful new feature. Uh, When something's wrong, it's so tempting to go to the internet for information instead of calling your doctor. And we all know that the internet is typically wrong or very doom and gloom about things. And- as a healthcare professional, I'm sure you have plenty of stories where patients call you and say, My surgical site is red, and Google tells me I'm dying. <laughs> um, that seems to always be the outcome, whatever you do search for some reason. So, this is a great first step to try to weed out YouTube accounts who give medical advice without proper certifications. One other thing for ASCs to consider is bringing more video into the mix in 2023. If your ASC does not provide any videos right now for prospective or current patients, you're missing out on a great way to reach your community and educate patients. You can do facility tours, interviews with physicians, um, educational videos on the services you provide, you know, kind of what to expect videos and so much more. And now you can be verified on YouTube, which will add even more to your credibility. And you don't need a production company to do this. You know, with the quality of smartphones now, you can record these videos yourself at a very low financial cost. So, just something to think about. And then, even more so, that you can kind of be certified on YouTube is a huge win. And to end our new segment on a positive note, Two police officers in Kansas city saved a one month old baby who stopped breathing due to RSV. The entire incident is caught on body cam footage. And while it is of course, intense to watch, it's actually really helpful to see how the officer performs CPR on such a small baby just in case you ever find yourself in a similar situation. Um, The officers were able to get the baby breathing again before transporting her to a local hospital. And I'm happy to share that baby Kamaya is doing just fine, thanks to Officer Richard Duchesne and Officer Charles Owen. Uh, We'll include a link to the story in the episode notes, as always, to the Today Show article so you can see the footage of their life-saving efforts. And that news story officially wraps up this week's podcast. Thank you, as always, for spending a few minutes of your week with us. Make sure to subscribe or leave a review on whichever platform you're listening from. I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you again next week.